Well, thank you for joining me for the last week of our series, The Games We Play. We're all month long leading up to Easter, the Super Bowl of Sundays in the church where most people will attend church on Easter when they want any other time of the year. Eight out of ten people will still say yes if only they're invited. So we've been preparing ourselves for the season that we're in. We've been discovering how to find our stories and challenging ourselves to share our stories, what God has done in our life. The greatest thing that you and I can do is to share the goodness of Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our lives. And this entire series, the games we play, have come out of 1 Thessalonians 1.8 that says, your lives are echoing the master's word. Not only in your area, in your community, in your town, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. The games we play, we've been discovering how to become the message of Jesus. Each and every week, we've unpacked a little layer of finding our story and encouraging to share our story. In week one, we discussed the topic of hide and seek, a famous game that we've all played as kids. The games we play, we like to hide and we like to find. And we re realize the reality is that many of us are hiding our stories because we just don't want people to know, because we're embarrassed or we're ashamed, and, and we don't want to be vulnerable in front of people for people to discover where we've been or what we've done or what we've experienced. But we also learned that there are people who are searching. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking for the opportunity to realize that where you have been and where you are, so can happen for them. And then in week two, we learned that Simon Says... Many of us have played the Simon Says game. Simon Says, so we do. Whatever Simon says, we follow, we obey. And that's what God has told us to do. We discovered how God has told us and instructed us to share our story. Last week in week three, we talked through the game Duck, Duck, Goose, making decisions about how every day the game of Duck, Duck, goose, of making decisions of what we will and will not do, how we respond when the goose has landed on you, how to chase the goose and how to catch the goose. And then this week, I titled your message, uh, one of our great games, Show and Tell. It's one of the great uh, games that maybe you played as a kid. I loved show and tell as a kid. Any opportunity that we had to show and tell, show something that was special to us, show something that we enjoyed, tell something about our lives. Show and tell in school was a lot of fun. It was fun with our friends when we would just play show and tell just on our own, just to make it up and play our own game. Did you know that show and tell is also one of God's favorite games. You may not know that, but God loves the game of show and tell. I think out of all of the games uh, that we can play, or maybe that we've even discussed, this is his favorite. And I want to show it to you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you, I think you ought to underline that because that's talking about you. This is a very personal verse of Scripture. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, underline that word witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What a powerful verse of scripture. 
We're instructed that because Jesus has returned to heaven, because he's no longer going to physically walk the earth, that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to be fearful about how we will carry on the work of Jesus because you and I have been called to be his witnesses. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to enable us to go and to do what Jesus has called us to do. And what is that? To show and tell. I love that this verse says, this verse says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be the witnesses. Where at? In, Ju- in Jerusalem, right here in your area, right here in your community, in Judea and Samaria, throughout the nation and to the utter parts or the ends of the earth. Throughout the whole world, you and I are called to be the witnesses. You and I are called to show and to tell, to show people what Jesus has done and to tell them all about it. All month long, this series has has built to this very moment till we understand the power of showing and the power of telling. Every week, we've empowered ourselves a little more for this. And then today, I want to break this down with three simple things that you and I are to do to show and to tell. And I want to bring to you a guy named uh, Philip who actually played this game of show and tell Himself, Right here in the book of Acts, we're going to uncover his experience, his story, and uh, his experience in the game of show and tell. So I want to pray today for God's blessing on his word, that he would encourage us, that he would motivate us, that he would convict us in areas of our life to know that people are waiting and watching for you and for me to experience show and tell. So Father, I love you. Thank you for my friends watching online or listening by podcast. We pray over this word today that you would speak to us, God, that you would use it, God, to bring us closer to you. God, I pray that today we would be motivated to show and detail everything you've done in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to tell you about two people that we'll talk about in uh, the book of Acts today. Uh, Philip, who uh, is really an incredible person that we see in the book of Acts. And we learn about Philip actually in Acts chapter 6. He's one of seven men chosen really to do the work of the local church. See, they were deciding how are we going to operate the church? How are we going to be most effective and most useful? And so several of them decided, look, we've got to spend our time devoted to the teaching of God's Word. We've got to teach people, equip them, and empower them with the truth of Jesus. And so we need other people to begin doing the hands-on things that happen in the day-to-day. So Philip is one of seven men who were selected to distribute food to people in need on the daily. So he was every day in the lives of people serving their physical needs. But then by chapter 8, we see that Philip is actually now speaking to large groups of people. Philip is out and he's sharing the gospel and he's performing miracles and he's telling of the goodness of Jesus. And large crowds are coming in and are starting to hear about the good news of Jesus through Philip's testimony. And then in, ver- in chapter 21... We actually see Philip introduced as Philip the Evangelist. 
Philip the evangelist, the one who goes and tells and shares all the good news about Jesus. We see a progression in this guy's life. You see, he's changed by the power of Jesus. He puts his hands to work, and God begins to develop the giftings within him. And then he's just out showing and telling the good news of Jesus. Crowds are listening until eventually he's known as the evangelist, the one who goes and the one who tells. Today, we're going to learn from an experience that Philip has with what the Bible calls an Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, verses 27 is where we'll start, and it says, The treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. This eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, this Ethiopian eunuch was a man who was a person of great authority. He was a treasurer to the queen, meaning that he managed a lot of the finances and the income and the operations of the queen. He was a person of great power. He had a lot of authority. And they had traveled to church. They had traveled to go and to worship. And we find him on this particular day seated in his carriage, headed back home, and he's reading the Bible. He's actually reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophecy of the life of Jesus. Now, in this setup today, we have Philip and we have this Ethiopian eunuch. We have two people who start their day in two different places, in two different situations, two different scenarios, yet God is working behind the scenes. You see, every day when you get up, God has a purpose on your life. God has a call on your life. And what is it? It's the games that we play. It is the go and to show and to tell. It's the hide and seek. It's the Simon says. It's the duck, duck, deuce. You see, every single day is a new opportunity for us to be used by God. When we understand that our every day is not just to go to work, it's not just to serve your family, it's not just to have fun, it's not just for enjoyment or for personal gain. No, you're on a mission. You're on an assignment. You've been enrolled in this game. You have signed up. You are a player and you have a place and you have a purpose. And today it so happens to be show and tell. Philip has something in front of him, an opportunity that he does not even recognize that's on the way for him to show and to tell. So how do we do that? How do we live this life playing this game, show and tell? Well, there's three things that I want to bring you that Philip does with his interaction with this man who's traveling back from the house of God. Number one, here's what we need to know, is that if you're going to be a part of show and tell, number one, you have to start stepping. Start stepping. What does that mean? Well, Philip is, is the man who God is going to use this day in this game of show and tell. The Ethiopian eunuch happens to be the man who's going to be the spectator to receive from the game of show and tell. And notice while the Ethiopian is, is sitting on his uh, carriage and he's traveling and he's reading the Bible, notice what was happening with Philip at the same time. Verse 26, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. 
So Philip ran over. So the Bible tells us about this Ethiopian. The Bible sets us up with his situation and his scenario. Then we pick up with Philip and we see that God gives him some very simple instruction. As for Philip, the angel said, go. The very first thing that is spoken is go. You see there's an action given there. There's a command given there. Philip is told to do something, to be proactive, to start stepping. Go south down the desert road. And then the Bible says in verse 27, so he started out. Notice that the angel said, hey, you go, and this is the direction that you go. He didn't say what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't say what the purpose was for the trip. He just said to go, and so Philip started out. He started stepping. As soon as he heard the voice of God, as soon as he got God's instruction for him, he just started out. He started stepping. Then the Holy Spirit said, go over and walk along beside the carriage. He spotted the carriage when he's walking in the direction that God gave him. When he started stepping, he visualizes and is able to see the carriage that's in front of him. When the carriage is there, then God speaks through the Holy Spirit and gives him more instruction. You see, we are so bent on getting all of the details before we'll start stepping. We want to know where we're going, how many steps is it going to be. We want to know what we're going to do when we get there. What are we looking for? Who are we going to meet? What do I need to be prepared for? But God simply said, go and so Philip started stepping in the right moment the Holy Spirit said go over and walk beside that carriage and then verse 30 Philip ran over you see just a step of obedience you see that he was stepping into God's best for his life when God says go don't say no you and I are so guilty of all the reasons and all the excuses as to why we cannot. That when God says to go and do something, we find some reason for reservation to walk in disobedience to what God is telling us to do. How do you start stepping out? Because I know that many of us, we get real intimidated. We get real uh, discouraged about what may happen and what could be out there on this journey. We're afraid to take that step of faith. We're afraid to take the step of obedience, maybe because we've never done that before. Or maybe because we tried at some point in our life and we failed. We just were disappointed. We were let down because it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. It wasn't the experience that we thought we were going to experience. So how do you walk out in faith and start stepping when God says to go? Because every day there's an opportunity. There's someone sitting on a carriage. There's someone sitting at work. There's someone sitting beside you at the store. There's someone sitting beside you in the ballpark or wherever you may be that God is wanting you to show and to tell. Well, there's three little things. These are extras that I'd say write down so that you can hear the voice of God to know. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to listen. you just got to listen. I bet most of us today in our moment of this online experience would probably say, you know, well, I've never heard God tell me to do something. I've never heard God give me the instruction to go and to tell somebody. I've never heard the, the, the instruction of God to go and to serve this person or to, um, you know, to ask this person if they need help. I've never heard God to say. Well, the problem is that most of us probably aren't listening. You have to listen in order 
to hear. If you're going to hear God, you have to stop to listen. We hear God through His Word. We hear God through uh, other people. We hear God through our circumstances. We hear God through that still, small voice. It's no different than the old illustration of uh, tuning into a radio frequency. You turn the dial, you hear static until you get the right frequency, and then you get the station. See, many of us, we're just living life and we're on the wrong dial. We're listening to everything else. We're listening to the world. We're listening to the news. We're listening to the bad news. We're listening to culture. We're listening to social media. We're listening to the doctor's report. We're listening to everything except for the voice of God. Listening to the voice of God is like building a muscle. You have to work it. You have to put weight on it. You have to continuously do it day in and day out. It has to be a part of your daily regimen and your daily routine. You have to flex and build and work the muscle. You have to spend time listening to the voice of God. Don't just spend so much time talking to Him, asking things from Him. Spend as much time listening as you spend talking. Philip had spent time in the church working for the Lord, growing his personal relationship with God. So in moments when God was ready to call him out for show and tell, he could go from, from distributing food to now distributing the gospel of Jesus. Everywhere he went, people wanted to come and hear because when God said go, Philip started stepping. So you have to listen for the voice of God to say go. You have to then be able to trust what God asks you to do. You have to trust God. Many of us, we, we don't trust God. We say we do, but we don't really fully trust Him. Trust is putting weight on the chair. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I trust that chair can hold me, but until you sit down on it, until you put weight on it, you don't fully express your trust. We can say we trust God, but until we give to God and we trust Him with our finances, then we're not really trusting God. If we say we trust God, but until we begin to submit our life to Him fully, then we're not fully trusting God. We're still holding on to some of the responsibility and some of the control in our own hands. You have to listen to God's voice and you have to trust what he's saying to you. And then the third thing I would say is you have to, be, you have to obey. If you're going to listen and then you, uh, you trust what he says, you have to obey what it is that he's speaking to you. Look, you can't follow God and not fish. You know, the Bible says that God would, he said to the disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, he had taken them from being actual fishermen, catching actual fish, to saying, look, put that stuff behind you. I'm calling you to show and tell. I'm calling you to go. And now you're actually going to fish for people. You're going to fish for men. You're going to share the gospel. You're out there now fishing to get a different type of catch. You're catching people for the kingdom of God. You're building eternity. Well, you cannot follow and not fish. I fear that many of us are trying to follow, but we're still trying to do it our own way without fishing. God is calling us to show and tell. And the first thing you got to do is when you wake up in the morning is start stepping. When you wake up in the morning, what would life look like if we just said, God, I'm listening to you today. I want to hear your voice today. I want to experience everything you 
you have for me today? How can my life be a show and tell? How can I play the game today of show and tell so that somebody sees my life and is able to hear from my life everything that you have done for me? So on this day, God has already set Philip up. There's an there's a Ethiopian eunuch on a carriage headed home on a specific road, on a specific route. And God just so happens to say, go in that same direction. So Philip starts stepping. Number two, if you're going to play show and tell, you've got to start speaking. Start speaking. Notice what happens when Philip gets over to that carriage. The Bible says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what I love about this scenario. You can see that it is a God moment, that it is a God-ordained, a God-constructed, a God-written moment for Philip and this Ethiopian. You see in just the right moment, not happenstance, their paths are going to cross. Philip is now hearing this man reading Scripture, and Philip is like, I know exactly what's going on. I know why God has sent me here. Philip was able to recognize the moment that God had placed him in. Philip knew this is a show and tell moment and Philip was prepared. He was ready. He had been listening to God. He was trusting what God was telling him to do and now he was walking in obedience. Now, this Ethiopian had just come from church. He'd just come from a place of worship, of worshiping God. But here he is reading a scripture about Jesus and what Jesus would come and do. And Philip asked a simple question. Hey man, do you understand what you're reading? What are you reading about up there? Tell me about that. And the response of this man shows us why this was a God-appointed moment. Because the man says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? Listen to me today. There are people all in our culture that know the name of Jesus. They have been to church. They have heard the Bible stories. They have walked in environments of worship and they have walked in environments of the Word, but they do not know what they are seeing. They do not know what they are hearing. They have not experienced the life-changing power of Jesus. You can be around it and not be in it. You can be in the presence of God and not even recognize it. It happened all throughout scripture. Jesus would be in places performing miracles and the people would ask him to leave. You can be right in the middle of it and still miss it. This man in particular on this day, having traveled a long distance to be in the presence of God, to be in a place of worship and has left not fully understanding. But see, God provided an opportunity of show and tell for this man named Philip to be there at the right time and the right moment, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and to be the witness and start speaking. Now here's what I love, because many of us, this is where we get intimidated. Well, I don't want to get in a debate about the Bible. I'm not prepared to, to preach about the Bible or teach about the Bible. I don't know enough. I don't want them to ask me a question. Well, notice that Philip didn't dive into all the things about the Bible. Philip says, what, the, what does the Bible say that Philip began to do? Philip says about the good news of Jesus. He just begins to explain the good news of Jesus. In other words, this became a moment of show and tell. Listen, you can't claim him and not proclaim him. 
You see, if you are following Jesus and you have said yes to Jesus and he's Lord of your life, if he's number one, if you're going to claim him, you are going to proclaim him, to declare him publicly. He is calling us to a life of show and tell. Simon says to say it. Simon says to show it. And Simon says to serve it. Hide and seek. You can't hide the message. You can't hide the experience. You cannot hide the life change. If you're going to follow, you're going to fish. If you're going to claim him, you must proclaim him. Your salvation must be a part of your conversation. I want to ask you that today. Is your salvation a part of your conversation? To the people around you that are with you every day, that are in your sphere of influence, do they know about the salvation that you've experienced through Jesus? Have you played the game of show and tell? God's favorite game, show and tell. Philip began to share the good news about Jesus. Have you done that? When was the last time you spoke about your salvation? Just stop for a moment and ask yourself that question. When was the last time that I spoke about my salvation? When was the last time I shared the good news of Jesus with someone else? I want to ask you this question. If someone were to ask you about the good news of Jesus, if you had an Ethiopian eunuch in your life that said, how do I understand this unless someone explains it to me? Could you explain the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Look, there's an old saying that says practice makes perfect. Growing up, my mom used to tell me that. Practice makes perfect. You just have to practice. And did you know that speaking, speaking out, sharing, telling, the show and tell, it just comes through practice. It just comes through building the ability to share and to show what Jesus has done. I want to give you a couple of ways that I think you can start speaking. The first is share with your family and with your friends. Begin with the people who are closest to you and share with those people what Jesus has done in your life. Start with the people that you trust. Start with the people that you're not intimidated by and share the good news. Start speaking what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe share with your pastor. There's nothing more than your pastor would love to hear than the life change that you've experienced in Jesus. If you could tell anybody, you can tell your pastor. He wants to know what Jesus has done in your life. It's a very safe place. What about your small group? Are you in a small group of people where you're all encouraging each other and equipping each other and praying for each other and cheering each other on? What a great place. What a great platform to share what Jesus has done in your life. A great place to start speaking. Just share. Share with someone you trust. Just share with somebody what Jesus has done. You need to play a game of show and tell. Start with the audience that you trust the most. Because when you can articulate where you have been and what you have done and what Jesus has done and the difference that he has made in your life, when you can begin to speak that, when you start speaking that out, your life becomes a life of Philip and the Ethiopian, that God will send you to places in just the right moment, at just the right time, with just the right opportunity to begin to give the gospel of Jesus away. We will be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and to be his witnesses, to show and to tell. So you have to start stepping. 
Every day, step into it. Step into your purpose. Step into the call that God has played on your life. Step into the show and tell. And then start stepping, start speaking. Start saying it, start giving it, start telling it, start sharing it. Let everybody know what Jesus has done. So third, you got to do this. And if you start stepping, you start speaking. Number three, you start sitting. This is important. Because notice what happens here. It says, And he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. And they rode along, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I love this because this eunuch, man, he is fired up that Philip is there. And what Philip is sharing with him so that he begs him, he urges him, man, please get in this carriage with me. Go with me. I want to know more. So he literally gets in this carriage. The Bible says he got into the carriage and he sat with him and then they rode along. Man, what a day for Philip. He had no idea he was going to be getting into the car with a stranger, sharing the story, living his life out on purpose, show and tell and the difference that he's making. They rode along, and then this eunuch, man, he sees this body of water and says, well, I, look, there's some water. Can I be baptized? Like, let's do this thing right now. I'm committed. I'm sold out to this. And they went down into the water together, and Philip baptized this man. Notice what's happening. He's sitting with this man. It becomes relational. It becomes intimate at this, at this moment. Our culture spends more time standing than we do sitting. You see, my son the other day was eating dinner, and he was sitting down, and he had prepared a place for me to sit right beside him. And he was saying, Dad, come sit down right here beside me. And I was standing up eating. I stand up and eat a lot. I don't sit down a lot, and I'm standing there, and I'm eating, doing my thing. And, and he said, no, Dad, I want you to sit with me. You see, I was right there with him. We were both eating dinner together, but he wanted the intimacy of me sitting down. Our culture has become so disconnected. You see, we're face to phone instead of face to face. See, we've become so disconnected and our relationships have become quantity over quality. How many followers we have, how many people we're connected to, how many people we know versus the quality of our relationship. They're less sincere and they're more superficial. You see, what people are needing you to do in their life is sit with them. Once you start stepping in the direction and call God gave you, once you start speaking the gospel of what he's done in your life, people are going to ask you to sit with them so that you can take the journey with them, so that you can pour into their life, so that you can build them, so that you can help them, so that you can encourage them, so that you can pray for them, so that you can do life together. Look, a seed that is sown and served will supply and provide. A seed that is sown and served, tended to, will supply and provide. You see, from the moment that seed is planted, there's a process of tending and caring and helping and building and protecting until it grows and flourishes and becomes productive. When you begin stepping and you begin speaking and then you begin sitting with people, you have sown a seed and you have tended to it and you've helped it grow into something that is productive. People want to see you and people want to be seen by you. People want to hear you and people want to be heard by you. It is relational. This show and tell 
What God is asking us to do is a mandate from God. It is his best for us. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great commandment that you and I would be called out to show and to tell. Philip was willing to step. Philip was willing to speak. And Philip was willing to sit. Today, I want to ask you, are you willing to step? Are you willing to speak? And are you willing to sit? God is looking for people who will do what he's called us to do. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And Jesus is the only thing that determines the difference between the two. And so today, for you and for me to understand our role and responsibility in this show and tell, the games we play, to give away what God has given to us. And I want to pray that for us today. Right where you are, if you can, will you bow your head? Maybe you're listening by podcast and you may be driving, but right now, just let this be a private moment between you and the Lord. And there's two things I want to pray for. Number one, you may be watching and you say, man, I feel more like the Ethiopian eunuch than I do than Philip. Well, there's great news for you today. The good news is that Jesus loves you and that he wants relationship with you, that Jesus wants to save you and that Jesus wants to help you live life on purpose. And I want to pray for you that today would be the day that you would say yes to relationship with him. And then for the rest of us who feel more like a Philip, I want to pray today that you and I would be willing to begin stepping, to begin speaking, and to begin sitting with people who are around us. So Father, today I pray for all of my friends right now. If there's one of us that does not have a personal relationship with you, God, I would pray that in this moment today, we would recognize our need for you. We confess our sin. We acknowledge we've done it our own way. We've messed it up. And Jesus, we need you. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. We receive it today and we commit our life to you. Thank you for salvation and thank you for relationship. And God, I pray for all of my friends who are walking in the shoes of Philip today. God, help us to begin stepping, to begin speaking, and to begin sitting with people. God, I pray that our lives will be lived out loud. Our lives will be lived on purpose. That we would be your hands and your feet. That we would play the game of show and tell so that everybody could see and everybody could hear what you've done in us so that you can do it through us and in all the world that's around us. God, I pray you use us to make heaven a bigger place in this time and in this opportunity that we have in the culture that we live. God, we know the best is ahead, and I pray it over us today. God, and as all of us move into this Easter season, that it would be fruitful in every church and in every life and in every community around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.